to Cross Cultures Podcast. A podcast telling stories from our 17 partner countries across the world. Stories that are told by colleagues and volunteers about their backgrounds, dreams and experiences with being part of Cross Cultures Unique Network. Okay, welcome. We are sitting here in room number 105 on Landmark Hotel, Juba, South Sudan. And I'm sitting here with our, all our good colleagues from South Sudan uh, who are running and have been running our operation the last year. Uh, and they will introduce themselves in a minute. But I'm also here with Nenad Jabic from Bosnia. And uh, the purpose of this little talk I would like to is that we have colleagues in 17 on other countries. And every time I'm around and I tell, oh, we begin now to make football schools in South Sudan, they say, oh, no, 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 no. It's the most dangerous country in the world. And how do you dare and to bring open front football schools down there? So I think it's very important that we can have a little chat and you can tell a little bit more where you're coming from, where you're living, but also how you have organized front football schools the last year and what you think they have produced. And Victoria, let me start with you. Can you... Give me, uh, tell a little bit about yourself. Who are you and where are you coming from? Thank you very much. I'm called Natsura Victoria. I live in Juba, but I originate from Central Equatorial State. So I'm in charge of cross-cultures activities in Juba, acting as the project coordinator for Juba, uh, Juba, uh, Juba County. And why are you, or how did you get involved in the Open Fund Football Schools? Uh, initially, I didn't know about Open Fund Football Schools until someday when I went to SSFA. Then uh, the Secretary General told me there is this uh, association coming up from Denmark, coming to South Sudan, and they are looking for people who are passionate about football or Open Fund Football. So we have suggested that you take part in that activity. So basically, I didn't know about it, but it's through the South Sudan Football Association who suggested my name to you people. And why did you meet up with the uh, General Secretary? What did you do in, in the Federation? Uh, I'm not a staff there, but uh, I'm an advocate for girls' foot football in South Sudan. And I was a former footballer also. So I've been pushing for girls' football, establishment of girls' football in the country for the last, let me say, four years. Until they, some point in time, they now tried to bring me in now into the decision-making process and how we can take, uh, how we can move forward the women's football, which is now bearing a little bit of fruits. 
Excellent. And opposite you is sitting Mark. And Mark is very busy on his mobile telephone. <laughs> Mark, can yeah. you also tell a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you, Anders. Uh, my fellow colleagues, uh, the, the new arrival person as a screener is welcome. I'm called by the name Ongoro Mark Victor uh, from Torit. My personal background, I'm uh, a bachelor holder and I'm also, you know, a CCPA, you know, coordinator in Torit. Uh, I'm a secretary also of uh, Torit Logot Football Association. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, married by marital status with the two wives, a responsible person and a person who loves football as my hobbies. Thank you. Also around the table we have Berekit. Uh, you can hear that Victoria and um, Mark or Victor is affiliated with the, the football association. But as a new operation here, we have decided to install or engage with uh, Berekit. And so Berekit is our fixer and our administrative person. So, so we are sure that we have a short distance to to the money and and to all these things. Berekit, can you also give a few, just a few words for you for about yourself? Uh, thank you very much. Um, as Anderson introduced me, my name is Berekit. Like like um, I do business here. I mean, uh, let's say I'm a businessman here. Uh, indirectly or directly, I work with CCPA. Uh, the reason how I met with Anderson was it was like, you know, he came as a CCPA and then we've been trying such projects. And then at the first time it was not, it, it didn't work, but finally he came through his own way. He's hard worker man. I really appreciate him. Then the way I see him, he's working as a voluntary and then supporting the kids in Juba and Torrey. So I decided, I mean, for me, uh, it has two advantages in a business way, and then also just to work uh, with the company, it's, it was interesting. So anyway, in short, we were doing good jobs in Juba and in Torres, then I'm really happy to work with uh, CCPA and voluntary actually in sport activities. You know, being just playing with the kids, it gives me uh, good pleasure, because for me, as I tell you before, then it, it is two advantages. I do my business, and then uh, I do uh, such intersecting things with my colleagues, actually. I'm really happy to work with uh, Victoria. She's very talented and clever uh, woman. And then Victor also, he's very sharp. And then we had such good experience, and then I hope we'll continue also working together. And <coughs> Berek, you are from Ethiopia? Yes. And you have settled here in... South Sudan? Yes. To do business? Yes, I've settled to do business in South Sudan. You know, South Sudan, there is a lot of opportunities. So we use that opportunity here by working together. Uh, the people are just, all of them, they are kind. And then they don't have any problem with the tribalism issues and then such problems. So that's the reason why I stay in South Sudan. It's, for me, it's like, it's my second home. Yeah. <coughs> And finally, we also have Nenad. Nenad is um, from Bosnia. Bosnia. 
And he had been with us since 1999. Right. And is one of our super educators. And you have come down here to help us for follow-up seminars here the coming days. Yeah? Just a few words about yourself, Nenad. Where are you from? I am from Bosnia, from uh, little municipality Pale, little town, uh, near Sarajevo, near Jahorina Olympic Mountains. My, uh, my uh, whole life is football. W- one man Anders is, is make who is coming in Bosnia after war. I think you, you is uh, a much of good experience uh, from this project in the time who is future. Uh, I go in 20 different countries. I uh, introduce uh, many cultures, many uh, other good people like, like you. And Nenad, one of the, the things, you come from the town called Pale. Yeah. And during the war in Bosnia, yeah. Pale was known for for those who are listening as the a Bosnian Serb stronghold during yeah. the war. That was where the Bosnian Serb general and the Bosnian Serb president was based in Pale. <coughs> and in Pale we have used the football schools to because after the war it was only Serbs that could go into to to Pale. Only Serbs. Only Serbs. But we have used the football schools to promote football, but also to open the roads so you can travel from Sarajevo yes. to Pale to other Muslim areas. Huh? Yeah. And when I visited South Sudan first time, uh, I had I met also with the deputy governor of Torit, uh, Dr. Margaret. Yes. Uh, and she told me, me her own history and that was she said but you can take me as an example uh, South Sudan have been a country yep. that has been in war for 42 years on and off uh, and uh, when I was a little girl suddenly we had to flee there came conflict came to us we had to escape to Uganda and my schooling was interrupted then I was sitting two years in Uganda, and we returned, and I we get back got back to school, but after some years again we had to go back to Uganda, as refugees because of this very instable situation. Uh, and um, that means we come to South Sudan, which is the newest country in the world, youngest country in the world, but still. There's a lot of local conflicts going on, even though there was an overall peace signed one year ago. And Mark, if if we go to Torit, where you are coming from, can you tell a little bit more about how close are you and what does it mean to live so close to the front line? Yeah, uh, thank you once more, Anders. Uh, I really appreciate what you say. And uh, uh, in my view... When I see my sister Victoria here, 
uh, who is trying to alleviate you know uh, the the girls you know football i also reflect back to dr anna ito uh, margaret ito i mean to say uh, who is a deputy governor in torit uh, for a quite long a strong woman an agriculturist who encourage you know uh, people to have more food uh when it comes to uh part of ccpa when we launch uh, what you call a festival and this mama came and look at the children she said ccpa has relieved them from a lot of noise why did he say so because you realize that the moment they are doing work at home children normally you know runs here and there start disturbing things you know but when this program came in children were able to go to the fields they went and do fans they play you know it allows them to do their home basic things uh, that is they were able to do without any disturbance children comes from where they are playing they could able to talk what is all about football i know felan from uh, from a different tribe have at least able to know how many people today you have interacted so uh general when you look at that uh director it sounds like you know we have a future we have a future for these children and that's why in one time she said she want this project to continue yes um, Mark, have you have you been displaced yourself as refugee yeah yeah i went to uganda in uh, 96 when i was in uh, primary two. yeah when i went to uganda i found it was really not easy we have also uh, uh, a rebel leader in uganda by the name uh, Kony, dr Kony joseph uh, who disturbed us in northern uganda i stayed in northern uganda in a district called kidgum district i studied there from primary two up to primary six in 2002 we were displaced we went to uh, uganda side that is western uganda that is in hoima where i came and found a sister who was also in that area where when i heard about sisto and i said oh i need also to improve on football maybe in future i will also reach where sisto is so uh i started my uh my education there i finished my uh my diploma from uganda when i came back again here in uh in 2010 in 2013 we were almost again to to be displaced but all in all that we think that some of these things never you know reach up to torit where i managed to remain and i decided to say no this time i cannot again go back to refugee i suffered and uh, uh, i should end it if at all things happen let me also be part of it now i don't want to go again so when i take back to uh, ito what she was saying like she was disturbed from here and there during high education level she struggled until she attained high education is actually sometimes going for refugees is for good or is for bad So what we attain according to me I said it was for good in other way around in part of education but when it comes in part of settlement it was not easy so the same thing the the history that doctor uh, Margaret Ito is saying is actually the fact that these are the real things that's also your story Victoria is Thank it you. also your story <laughs> Yeah it's well almost the same but a little bit because for me I was born in Uganda So I would say my entire youthful life was in Uganda and I studied right from uh, pre- uh nursery up to my university that's when I got my bachelor's degree 
and currently I went back again. I'm doing my master's there. So I would say my life has been 99% in Uganda. Yeah. And when we had our coach seminar, I brought our clickers. And I remember I asked all coaches, we were here, uh, 84 coaches at the seminar in, in Juba. And I, I asked the coaches, how many of you have been displaced during their life? And it was all, all our young coaches have been refugees minimum once in their lifetime. Yes. yes. And 62% of them have been two times or more. So that's a fact we are here in, in South Sudan when, when we are here. You are so close with the war and these uh, refugee situations huh? yeah. uh, here. Th th another thing, when we came to South Sudan, uh, that was because actually I was invited by a Danish engineering company called Niras. Niras is doing a big did a very big uh, water program in Torit uh, because you have food shortage mm -hmm. and what it was about was to drill a lot of water boreholes mm -hmm. but also to manage and utilize the water so people could grow crops and they could do small businesses mm -hmm. and they could make a living uh, people in Torit are very poor and most people here in South Sudan are living from humanitarian assistance. That means they have no, they don't earn their money. And if you go to the markets, there are no markets. Uh, I wanted to have a, a mango, or I wanted to have an avocado when I stayed in, in avocado fr fruit uh, when I stayed in Torit. And it was impossible to find on the markets. So it's just to say, uh, Nias was there, they have made a lot of water holes, and they said, but we have a problem, Anders. We have the problem, it's very difficult for us to mobilize young people to take part in their development programs. And, uh, and they asked us, maybe, can you help us to mobilize young people and make them interested in uh, being engaged in in the in their own life in their own development and build their resilience so they will stay here as Ma uh, Victor told us and, no, and not uh, go to, to Europe another thing that strikes me a lot is when we speak about coming from Bosnia this program came out of Bosnia when we speak about a lot about uh, my experiences in Bosnia, when you come out of conflict, I think one thing is, of course, food and water and medicines and healthcare and all these things. But for me in Bosnia, what I learned was that the most important thing was actually that people could communicate. Uh, that you could go on the roads, you could go to the remote areas, <coughs> the villages in tourist districts, you have no access to because of rebels on the road that could make an ambush to you or stop you or hijack you or uh, slaughter you, whatever. Looting, yeah. Yeah. So that means that you were you were living in Torit, 8,000 people a year ago, yeah. and you could not move out of Torit. You were 
in circle there, is yeah, it? Yeah. Only by flights, huh? <coughs> yeah. 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 So, so when we asked also when we, we went with our young coaches on the seminar and said why what is what is the meaning of of open front football schools in South Sudan? They said four things. They said first first we would like to stimulate peace and peaceful coexistence and this we will do of bringing people together. And one of the things I'm very, uh, uh, should I say, impressed on, not impressed on, that is that you are all so clear in the message what it means, what peace is, that we can be together. That, that it's about f open front football school can bring people together that are not uh, living in their everyday life. The second thing you said was, uh, or the young coaches said was, that they would like to change violent behavior of children and youth. Then they would uh, like to do something good for their community. And finally, uh, they would also learn how to organize football. These were the four most important topics uh, for the young coaches uh, that came in here. Victoria. Therefore, what we did was we, we started and make, made a coach seminars, leader, first leader seminar. Yeah. Yeah, the first, first we made a seminar for the leaders. Uh, and uh, you built it, your group built it a vision for open front football schools uh, in South Sudan. You remember that vision? Yeah, I think, I think I still remember it. Yeah, and you remember what it was? Uh, we had basically three items within the vision. Yeah. Uh, that's hav having the open fund football schools as one of it. Then having a vocational center, or mm. s let me say a vocational school for maybe business kids building for this youth, mm. especially the school dropouts and those who completed high school and can't continue with the education. Because as we see now, we have the highest rate of youth unemployment in the country and uh, looking at their level of education without soft skills they can't compete for the available jobs, limited jobs. Then lastly was concerning like uh, how can we tap these street children uh, loitering within the streets of the city or within the country. So by using this open funds football school we could get these children and put them back into school yeah. and that means what you said was we can first make football schools bringing people together mobilizing young people then you said one third of our kids no you said more you said actually that South Sudan have a school dropout of children under 15 years old which is 75%. It's the country in the world with the biggest school dropout. And of people older than 15 years old, you have 70% illiteracy in this country because of the wars. And what you say is that one-third of the kids at our football schools, they are orphans or poor people or people who have dropped out of school one way or another. And 
you would like to see that football schools can also be used to build a bridge either to after school activities or to build a bridge back to schooling uh, and you also say that those of our coaches who are not studying they are all unemployed and they need small sk- soft skills in order to compete or small business management in order to compete for the jobs and that's the vision of the leaders when we began I'm 